whatever it is that you're producing, an e-learning course, uh, a how-to video, a talking head video, whatever it is, the, the key to doing that successfully and at scale is to figure out whatever repeatable processes that you can create and use and repeat to help you create whatever it is you're creating and then to do that over and over again, whether that's your equipment, the video you have set up, the way you edit it, uh, whatever you can use to repeat that process over and over again, that's how you can uh, do those things at scale at a sustainable pace. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from, I'm Matt Pierce, host of the Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and videos in the workplace. Today, you know him and you love him. He is Tim Slade is joining us and we're gonna be talking about the massive undertaking he's taken on to build out hundreds of videos, but really how does he do that in an effective, efficient, repeatable production process so that we can learn from him so that if you ever have to scale your videos, maybe you'll have some ideas on how to do that a little better. Now, if you don't know who Tim is, let's go ahead and introduce him. Tim Slade is a speaker, author, and award-winning freelance e-learning designer with a decade of experience in helping others elevate their e-learning and visual communication content. He has been recognized and awarded with the e-learning industry multiple times for his creative and innovative design aesthetics. He is also a regular speaker at international e-learning conferences, a recognized articulate superhero, author of the e-learning designer's handbook, and creator of the e-learning designers academy and i'll just say if you've taken a current iteration of the snagit certification you may recognize his voice as well with that said help me welcome tim slade to the visual lounge hi tim hey man hey thanks for having me so tim we're going to start where we start with all of our guests we've got three questions to go through uh that we we ask pretty much everybody now um so i'm going to change yours a little bit because i know you uh you know you You've told your story about how you got involved in like the learning world and get started with like making videos. So think about the first, I want you to think about the first video you've ever made compared to, to the ones you're making now. Fundamentally, what's changed about that process and about those videos? Oh, that's a really good question. The very first like training video I ever made was kind of a unique position because it goes back to the very first e-learning project I ever worked on. Uh, it was a, it was, a, it was a, project on how to catch shoplifters. And it was this unique opportunity where I got to work with a real production team and hire real actors and work with real camera people and go out on location and film all of these really cool scenarios for this uh, training project. And um, I, you know, I think it gave me a really unique experience that a lot of people don't get, you know, when you're early in your career to see how something like a professional video is scripted and produced and edited and filmed and uh and not just like you know a talking head video but like a real 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 video and so I, I count that as my first video it gave me a lot of really good perspective and all this stuff i do nowadays from a production standpoint you know beyond that i guess my other first videos probably weren't as good and polished because i didn't have a production team to work with um but i always think back to that that project that i worked on with with that with that team on on creating those videos yeah, it's always a different story when you have a whole group and especially on those high end productions There's so many different. I, I know I've learned and I've never been on a super high end production, but like even working with the marketing video team here at TechSmith, seeing all the different things that they think about the cameras, the angles, the the mics. I mean, just just it's incredible. Uh, but now look at you. You, you can make videos uh, just all day long if you want. Yeah, well, I think I think what I learned from that is from a, from a higher end production uh, video production, um, project 
is that there, because there's so many moving pieces, it has to be done very, very efficiently. And so everything goes into planning it and scheduling it out and executing it so that you can get in and out of there as quickly as possible. And at the time, you know, we were filming inside, this was for Kohl's department stores, um, a clothing retailer here in the United States. And, you know, we were filming in a real store and they don't shut down the store. And so we had to film around customers and everything. And I mean, even taking into account uh, things like what time the sun was going to rise and set because it would it would affect the lighting in the store. It just gave me a really unique perspective on how to be super efficient and create a workflow for for both big and small video video production. Yeah. So next question, Tim. Uh, you sure. obviously make uh, lots of courses. You've you've made them for yourself for your own like clientele, but you've also worked with others. How do you define success generally for a video course? What what would you say like this is really key to know it's going to work or it does work? Well, gosh, I can think answer that from a few different perspectives. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the most important thing from an instructional design and education perspective is that the learner, whoever your audience is, you know, comes out of it transformed in some way, right? Um, you know, when I think about the course content I've created myself for myself or for LinkedIn Learning, or even for for TechSmith, you know, the goal is to help people do something at the end of the day. And so whether that's with a really great high quality video, or even if you do it with, you know, uh, whatever simple tools you have, as, as long as somebody comes out learning how to do something practical, then I would consider that a success. And then beyond that, I mean, everything else beyond that is becomes a matter of aesthetics, in my opinion, how do you get the best quality video and audio and lighting and, uh, you know, for me, you know, if I were to go back to my one of my first videos, I did like this talking head. It didn't look great at all. It it was really, really bad and had bad audio. And and those are things you just iterate on over time as you, you know, learn and refine and spend more money and invest in your in your equipment. Yeah, it's a, it's a never ending. Like we're always chasing after the next thing. There's always a better camera, better lights, better setting, better oh, yeah. background, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Tim, uh, what, last question here of this set. Um, what's one tip you'd want to give the audience about that they could do today to improve using video in the work that they do? Mm. I guess one quick tip I would give is, and this has worked for me, is create videos that, that, that sound like and feel like a real person talking to another real person. Where, you know, when it comes to writing for... Uh, audio narration or, you know, on-camera delivery, we're, you know, we're so used to writing content for the way people read something, but, you know, that that doesn't translate well into a, a piece of multimedia or a video. And so write like you talk and write like it's a real person. And, you know, when I write scripts for my videos or anything, I always include my own inflections I and filler words. I say, I'll start sentences with, you know, all the time. And, and, and my scripts, it says, you know, uh, and, and that's how I kind of embed my own personality into the, the stuff I create. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I think it's uh, so easy. To, it's easy to say, but I know as someone who has tried to write scripts, like, and mm -hmm. really detailed scripts, it's hard, it's hard, it's good advice and it's the right advice, but it's also sometimes hard to do. It's hard to write so that it sounds natural. Right. Like, it is uh, yeah. talking. So, yeah, but, but great advice. OK, Tim. So one of the things I want to do is I want to jump into our topic today, which really is about creating this effective, efficient, re reproducible, repeatable process. And you've talked a little bit about that. Why don't we set the stage, though, because you, you told me that you're working on a massive project. Uh, 
do you yeah. mind sharing a little bit with us? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, when I'm not working with different clients, creating e-learning or creating videos for them, I, I run my own company called the e-learning designers Academy. It's an online course platform teaching, uh, new and aspiring instructional designers and e-learning developers, how to do all the things that I do as an e-learning designer and instructional designer. And it's, it's all video based content. And, uh, one of the things that I wanted to work on last year uh, was was rescripting and refilming uh, large chunks of that only so I can add more content and because I had a bunch of new fancy filming equipment and you know I just wanted to raise the bar and 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 reproduce a lot of it and I hem and hawed on it for a long time and this is unrelated really to the topic that we're talking about but but I think a lot of people will resonate with with what I'm about to say is I I'm one of those people, my creative process is that I will wait until my back is literally up against the wall uh, until I'm like, okay, I got to get this done. And then it's like this burst of creativity and it all just like magically happens really, really quickly. Um, I mean, like when I wrote my book, like my the e-learning designer's handbook, really the vast majority of that was written in like two weeks. Uh, that's, that's kind of how the process works. And so last December, this past December, I... Um, I went and booked myself into a hotel room and I scripted out uh, probably, I think it's about nine hours worth of content. And since then, I've been filming and editing and finalizing that uh, uh, to get ready to to launch in a couple of days. So that's kind of the context of what I've been working on. Yeah. So, so Tim, how many videos are you, so nine hours of content, how many videos do you think that translates to? So I, I, last time I counted, I broke, uh, broke it down. It, it probably adds up to a little less than 200 videos, I would say, around 200 videos in total, averaging anywhere between two minutes to five minutes in length. So a lot of videos. <laughs> I don't know if the listeners will appreciate this, but uh, maybe they haven't made that many videos total in their career, yeah. but that is insane. Tim, yeah. it is insane that many to have do two two hundred videos. Okay, so uh-huh. let's let's because that since that is such a high number, and I, I just yeah. think okay, how do you make that? How do you start doing this? Like, how do you break this down? Like, obviously yeah. you have the scripting process, and that's really important. Probably, uh, we'll talk yep. about scripts in just a second. But how do you even start to to map out or to get to the point where you're like, okay, now that you knew what you're going to do, how do you start developing? Because I I think I would just get overwhelmed and like go in a corner and start like doing the rocking thing because that's like really it's so many well i was i was doing that this morning um because <laughs> my deadline's getting close here um you know i it, my process where i learned how to to do and produce the videos as quickly as i as i as i'm doing honestly i learned it a big part of it i learned it from the several courses i produced with with linkedin learning a few years ago one of the things that I learned in my experience working with them and producing courses for them is that the, the vast majority of the time is spent not filming any of the stuff. It's scripting it and planning it and outlining it so that by the time you do get to the point of filming it, you're just executing the plan. And so one of the things that when you're creating a course at LinkedIn Learning is you start by creating an outline of each chapter and each lesson and what you want to cover in that lesson. And it's usually a couple of bullet points. And it's just this big Excel spreadsheet that you you outline everything that you're going to cover. And, and, you know, in that instance, you're working with a producer on their end and they're reviewing it and you're refining it. 
and and then you start scripting all of it and uh and you know with linkedin you know the goal is those videos tend to be less than two and a half maybe three minutes at the most in length um and then once you finally do get to the point of filming it and you know they they have a production studio in carpentria california where they where they film all of it um you know you're you're essentially filming might end up being a two-hour course over the course of two days and you're just in this recording booth and you're just you know filming and filming and filming and filming and but it, it's so effective and efficient because all that work that went into planning what you're ultimately going to execute at the end of the day and so for me that's that's kind of what i've done is i spent you know time outlining everything and then i booked myself a new hotel room just to script it all out and you know ordered a lot of uber eats and just sat in there uh and then uh by the time i got home and i've spent you know it probably took me two and a half weeks to film all those videos. Uh, and then now I'm, I'm editing, which in total will probably be another, you know, at the end of it will have been two weeks of editing as well. And so the efficiency of it is just going into it, knowing, you know, at each stage, whether it's scripting, what do you need? To, what do you need to have in place in order to script this efficiently? Well, I need an outline. And then what do I need in place just to film this? Well, I need all the scripts. And now what do I need just to edit it? I need to have all of the stuff filmed and have an idea of what my B-roll might be. So that by time you're you're at each stage, you're just executing everything that you planned in the previous stage. If that makes any sense. Oh, it makes it makes total sense. And I, I, what I'm curious about is, you know, we we get a lot of commentary on at TechSmith whether someone should script or not script. We we actually have for a long time. I was an advocate script, 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 no matter what. Um, it kind of latest six last six months, we've got you know some different tools that say like, hey, we can talk. You can talk, and then. You can probably edit your your audio like a document with audio or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have been going through this process. Would you say that it's essential for someone if someone's trying to undertake maybe not a, a, as ambitious, you know, maybe not 200 videos, but maybe 10? Should they be scripting all the time? Is that like a requirement now that you do? That's a that's a great question. Um, I do a little bit of both. You know, when I was new to doing any of this, and I still struggle with this, if I if I just have to say something quick to camera or record something, even if it's just one sentence, uh, I'm like, I can't, I just can't, it won't come out naturally. Uh, and so what I found is that the, the shorter the content, the more inclined I am to script it because you have to get so much communicated so precisely and effectively in a short period of time that I will script it. So even if I'm scripting a couple of sentences to open up something or a couple minutes. I will script out those couple minutes. If it's a long form content, like if you were to go onto my YouTube channel and look at any of my, I have these how-to workshops that are an hour long. I don't record those. I just treat those. I just, I just talk naturally. And so I found that if I, if it's something short and concise, I have to script it. If it's long form, uh, then, then I, then I don't script it. So what I can't do for me, this is at least for me, I know some people will, They'll just like write out some bullet points, some speaking points, and then they'll naturally move to each speaking point. Like I can't, that doesn't work for me. It's it's, I, it's one or the other for me. So if you're new, I would start with scripting so that you can figure out what your voice is and then, you know, learn to wean yourself off that script as you become more confident. So as I'm, I'm digesting all the work that you're doing and just mm-hmm. it really is, it, it's incredible because even in the, just a time frame, and I, and I know you're probably, you know, these are dedicated blocks of time. It's not, sure. you know, necessarily 12 to 20 things that might be pulling on somebody that's working for an organization. Of course. Yeah. But, but, you know, 
you've talked about the pre-production, like, you know, the outlining, the scripting and all that comes together. But even just the process of recording 200 videos, that's a lot of media. That's a lot of stuff. Talk us through that kind of that, uh, maybe not so much the production, like the recording process, but when you get into that post-production, what we call post-production, and you're starting to edit, what does that process look like? Do you have kind of a a workflow that you recommend to make it easier? Or is there things that you find that like you're still getting bogged down because it just, I mean, some of it just takes time. Yeah, totally. So I do everything in batches. So like I, you know, I spent however many ever weeks just recording all of it. I record all the raw video. And if I record a video, then I'll I'll pop it open real quickly to test it to make sure the audio and the video were recorded properly. Or if I didn't have like a water bottle accidentally sitting in the frame or something like that. And I will just I will just re- record, record, record. And then I save up all those videos. And then the second batch of my the editing process is I go through all of them. And depending on how I'm feeling that day, because sometimes this can get tedious. I'll either uh, just go in and create, you know, and I edit all my video in Camtasia. Um, I'll go in and create all the Camtasia files, get the video in, add my bumper, add the title, apply any, you know, audio effects or visual effects to the video, and then just save it. And I won't touch it. You know, I'm just getting it in there, getting the file set up. I'll do that for all the videos. And then the second time I go into all of them, that's when I go and I start rough cutting it. And so I'll go and listen to each one and, you know, trim out all the mistakes or the dead spots and, get that tightened up. And and I've done all that. And now what I'm doing is I'm going back through and and the final thing I'm adding is, you know, B-roll or on-screen text or animations or other video um, to, to, to add that in. And, and it kind of goes back to what I said before. Like right now, by the time I'm, I'm here at this point adding my B-roll, I'm not worried about the bumper at the beginning or the title or the jump cuts. Like that's all done. I'm just adding B-roll at this point. And so it, it gets exponentially simpler as you go through it, because you've done all of them. Um, and, you know, I guess I could do each of those one at a time for each video. But what I found is if I were to have done that, you know, my style of editing, maybe the graphics I would have used, the the pacing of the video would probably evolve over time if I did each video from beginning to end one at a time versus now I'm doing it all at once. So I know like all of my graphics are pretty consistent because I'm creating and editing and adding in all of my graphics at the same time. Does that make sense? Oh, no, absolutely does. Like I and I yeah. and I love that. I I'm I'm curious in this in this process, are there things that you like ways that you found to make sure that you are being consistent? Because I think that's a the challenge across any project is like I'm thinking about like so you've got your bumpers, you probably have those are are they like I'm I'm assuming they're stored either file or maybe mm-hmm. on, in the Camtasia library or whatever it is. And you're sure. just, or you built it, are you building templates to make this faster too? Or what's that? Yeah, I, everything is, uh, everything's about, in every aspect of the editing process, if you're creating a large number of videos, is figuring out what you can reuse or, or repeat multiple times. So for example, you know, at, at the beginning of all the videos, I has a little title bumper with some music. Well, that's saved into my Camtasia library. So I just got to pull that down. And I just got to replace the text. And then sometimes if I have B-roll with, you know, I want to present some on-screen text, I have an asset for that. And so that's consistent. Or I have, you know, um, an animation where something flies in and fills up half the screen. That's saved off. And so part of that repeatable process and part of it not having to think about it is plan it first on the upfront so that you can just rinse and repeat on the back end. Um, and, And I have a collection of probably you know, 15 or 20 different assets that I can mix and match and use, whether I'm trying to create full screen B-roll or, 
you know, split screen or a lower third or, or whatever the case might be. Um, and, and that serves the purpose of not only just, you know, making my time more efficient, but it creates a consistent experience for the viewer as well. So you, you had mentioned earlier uh, about, you know, you're, you're going through, you're kind of at the stage now where you're putting in the B-roll and these other mm -hmm. things. I want to, I want to tie that back. So as you're doing your outlining and your scripting, are you also like noting like, Hey, I'm going to do this kind of, I think this is the right type of graphic or this is the right type of animation. Are, is that all planned as well? Or is it as you go through kind of, and I know you've written the script, you've said the script, you've recorded uh -huh. the script, but are you like then, or making more on the fly decisions? It seems like it's probably up front, right? Yeah, it's, it's 90% up front. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with the first time you're storyboarding and scripting anything, whether it's for a video or an e-learning course or whatever or it might be, is that when you're in that early stage of scripting and storyboarding, you have to script and storyboard already envisioning in your mind's eye what it is you want to represent on the screen so that you can embed those artifacts in the wording of what you're saying. So for example, and that's hard for a lot of people, it takes time to, to kind of master that. And so when I script something, let's say I'm going to script out something explaining the three steps of something, you know, it'll very intentionally say in my audio or, or my copy, all right, so let's look at the first of the three items and I'll say blah, 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 blah. I'm doing that knowing that I'm going to have something go over the screen to, to you know, with the number one and then that text or if I'm explaining something with a visual concept and I'm animating it. Uh, as I'm scripting it, I am imagining in my mind's eye what it is that I'm going to do there. What I do though, and usually when I write my scripts and my storyboards for, for video, is I do it in two columns. So I'll have my audio copy on one column. And then in the second column, I, I have these little thumbnails that I've created. Um, they're just little icons. And the icon will either have a shape of a person full screen. It'll have a shape of a person with uh, you know, bullet points on the left or bullet points on the right. It'll have a little square to represent uh, graphics or animation. And as I'm scripting it out, I will embed those in that second column in the script and then add some notes to say, well, this is what I want to have here. This is what text is going to be represented. It might be vague. It might say, I'm going to have an animation with some icons moving around to represent this, or I'll be very explicit and say, I'm going to have this list that says these five things. But again, doing that then makes it so much easier when I'm editing because now I'm just editing to that script that I put so much thought into uh, on the front end. Well, I think that's really smart because essentially what you've done, maybe maybe you thought about it this way or not, but it's yeah. built a shot list, right? Like, and those little yeah. icons oh, yeah. are, because in a, in a shot list, I mean, from a very like production, professional production, they would be like, I'm going to have a medium shot or I'm going to have mm -hmm. a wide shot or I'm going to have an extreme close up. Uh, it yep. sounds like, you know, in, in your, you've limited probably based on the way you're recording and your st setup, you've got like you, you've got you and something, right. you've got something, you know, like, and it's yeah. like, just makes that. I, so I love that, that it's a super easy visual representation. Um, I might steal that from you, Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally, it's a hybrid between a shot list and, and your script. It's just, it's those two things combined uh, rather than being separate elements. And it's also not the complexity of a storyboard, right? Where I, I right. you, you know, you've been in, in industry long enough, you know, people are like, oh, storyboard. And they, they think they have mm -hmm. to draw the most detailed storyboard ever. It's, it's this is a nice right. way to say like, no, this is, tells me what it is. And any, my guess is you could hand that off to anybody and they'd be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. 
Well, Tim, one of the things I want to talk about because this because again, and you know, feel free to you know this gets too close to home because I know you're in the middle of this. Sure. We talked a little bit about you know I I jokingly said you know it's, it's a lot. I'd probably be rocking in the corner, scared of what's to do. Mm-hmm. But you, you talked about rec- when you're recording and you're recording in batches. I've I've done recording full day sessions, you know, and it's it's a lot. It's 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 tiring. You want to make because sometimes you do things multiple times to get it right, or you screwed up. And I, I'm guessing what what advice would you give to someone if they're if they're going to have either themselves or someone else on camera and they're going to go through this batch production for multiple videos? Mm. What should they be doing to keep that energy going so that they're yeah. going to get the good outcomes? Because I think this is part of that, like, if you have to do things too many times, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it causes problems it, it, and it doesn't feel re- scalable or repeatable right. or, or effective at all. So or sustainable, right? Right. Um, that's a good question. So uh, what I do, first off, I <laughs> like, I, well, I record in the morning. Uh, it's the first thing I do. Uh, and I might go on those days where I'm recording, I might go till one or two in the afternoon. And then I start noticing my energy wane and, or my my presence on camera wane, you know. Uh, and then that's when I, you know, like an energy drink helps sometimes. But even once you get past that, you know, you can, uh, you can, it kind of dips, right? Even when you feel like you're being animated on camera, once you go back and watch it, you're like, oh my gosh, my I, there's no emotion in my eyes. It looks like a dead person, right? Um, so one of the things that I learned, this is another thing I learned from LinkedIn learning, is that when we when we record at LinkedIn Learning, we don't record in order. We will jump around all over the place so that for those videos where the energy is a little bit, you know, it dipped, it's it's kind of evenly distributed throughout the full set of videos. So it, it doesn't feel like, you know, this. It's, you know, the energy is a little bit more all over the place. So it feels, it, it kind of distributed, distributes your low energy and your high energy amongst the full set of videos. And so that's what I did. I recorded in a couple different orders. I, I, that is, uh, that is a gem of a tip, right? Because that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I don't think most, like, and it's the nature of media. It's the nature of video particular, right? Like yep. you don't have to, it, you can do it in any order, but like it's, I, and I, I fall into that trap a lot. I, where I'm like, okay, one, let's do two, let's do three, let's do four. It's the same mm-hmm. with writing, right? If you're writing the scripts, write the script that you feel passionate or energetic, energetic about. Versus yep. doing them in order, yep. um, so I I I think that is that is the gem right there. That is yeah. amazing. It so. works too, yeah. And then what I'll do is I'll like the first couple of videos I'll save those until on whatever day that I feel like I'm you know I'm I'm really natural in front of camera and I'm very energetic. Then I'll go and record those because what you don't want is you don't you know when when you're creating a series of videos that maybe your audience is going to be watching in order, you don't want you know, you want those first couple of videos to be like your actual best videos with the best energy so that it kind of invites, you know, your audience into everything else. And so I'll, I'll wait till I'm, I'm in the best space to record those, those first initial videos. Super, super great advice. So uh, one more, one more question, then we'll jump into our speed round. But so as you're thinking about this effective, efficient, repeatable production process, what have we ta- what have we not talked about that you think people should know to help them to be uh, just better at at getting videos in that kind of manner? I think uh, I think what's most important for folks if they're wanting to create that repeatable, efficient process is to really know and have a strong vision for what the final product will be and what it'll look like, and and everything from the style of the video to the 
way you're scripting it to what how you want the B-roll to look so that as you're working through that, you're working towards, you know, that end vision. You don't want to go into it with this idea that the end product is some ambiguous thing that you can't really imagine. You kind of have to imagine it in your mind's eye so that you can work towards that thing uh, th- throughout the whole process, right? So you can be really intentional in your, in your design. Um, and that for a lot of people, when you're new to video or, or multimedia production, that, that's that creative muscle that you have to exercise and really, you know, get reacquainted with that, you know, like it's our imagination, right? Our imagination, we put that on the shelves, it's, you know, somewhere after middle school, once we got to high school, most people put their imaginations away. You have to kind of get like reacquainted with your imagination. And I spend a lot of my time, a big part of my creative process and the reason why I, I said what I said earlier about waiting until that, you know, until the pressure builds to to do all the creative aspect of it is because I'm spending a lot of time thinking about it. I'm spending time thinking about what I want it to look like and what I want it to sound like and 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 uh, preparing myself to execute on the vision that I've spent so much time thinking about. Yeah, I I, I love that because it's really not you know, creativity doesn't just often strike it. You, you're preparing for creativity. You're, you're building to creativity. And I, I think that's a good, a, a good reminder. Tim, yeah. this is, this is so many really great gems in here. I want to just thank you for all that you've shared so far, but we're going to, we're going to jump into our speed round for those who don't sure. know speed round. It's quick questions, quick answers. So we're going to play a little stinger here and we'll be back in a second. Okay, so we, we are going to go over to our dice cam, Tim. We've got 10. Oh, I love this. 12 sided die, and we're going to roll, and that's how we're going to determine a couple of questions to ask you. For first one okay. is going to be a seven. So I even brought it up here on the screen. So let's uh, look at question number seven here. Number seven. Okay, Tim, you are obviously prolific at the things that you do, creating, teaching people about e learning, making e learning, helping other people do that. If you had to shift careers, out of the world of e-learning, e-learning development, what would you do? I'd be an actor or something. That would, I, I would, because, because here's the thing. I was a theater major when I first went into college. And so I don't know whether this was by design or not, but I've, I've made what I do in e-learning a connection to that. You know what I mean? So like the multimedia production, all that, like, you find ways to do what you love, and even if you're doing something that's not related to it. And so I'd still be doing some form of this. It just may not be e-learning. It would be in, you know, a sitcom or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Theater, yeah. You're hilarious anyway, so I think it works. So Thank you. <laughs> okay, let's go back to our dice cam. We're going to get rid of that number here. Let's see what we roll this time. It's a number four. Yeah. You know what? This is this is going to be a tough question because uh, we, we kind of already asked it, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll broaden it a little bit. It's it's sure. The question is, what's a tip or best practice not mentioned today you'd want to share with us? But let's let's take it a step back from you've okay. talked because you've talked a lot about your production process and things like that. Just from a, a general e-learning process, there's you know there's a lot of people who want to get into learning development now. There's a lot of people who are doing it because their their job is that hey, you're good at this thing. What you're teaching this. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give uh, for someone that's are in maybe one of those situations to help them to be successful at, at creating learning content? Oh, gosh. 
I would say one tip to help people be successful. It's really hard to break it down into one big, giant, life-changing tip. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's what we do here. <laughs> I have this acronym that I use, but I'm, I'm not going to say it because I don't want you to have to bleep me out. But I have this acronym called FITFO. And you can go Google it. You can find me on LinkedIn and find out what it means. But there's going to be times in your career or you're working on a project where you have to fit both things. You have to figure it out. And I've found for me that, you know, when I'm fit foeing my work, when I'm my wall, my back's up against the wall, the pressure's on, I actually do my best work. And I know that doesn't work for everybody, but at the end of the day, like whatever you're doing, it's got to get done. And so just fit foe it, just figure it out and get it done. And it may not be the most amazing thing, but that's what your skills allow for you to do at that moment. And it will get better in the future. So just, you know, just get it done and, 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 and move on from there and improve. And whether it's learning how to use a tool or creating your first YouTube video and trying to figure out your lighting and your camera and the microphone and all that stuff and editing it, you know, you just have to start and you just have to do it and, and improve from there. I think the thing that holds a lot of people up when they're new to anything is that they're trying to create the best thing that they can create well, you're gonna have to create a lot of crappy stuff before you can create good stuff. And so, you know, be okay with just creating the crappy stuff and it'll get better in time. Uh, you know, that it reminds me, we, we've, I've shared very similar advice. It's like, make your first crappy video. Like, go make yeah. that first video. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just get through the process and then just start to get better. And that's why, uh, you know, here at the end of the show, I'll, I'll tell everybody level up every day, right? Like, just go. Mm -hmm. I, so I love that. Fitfo, go figure it out. Uh, I think yep. we can read between the lines what that might mean, but uh, yep. I love it. I think it's great advice. Okay, we'll do one more quick question here. Okay. And there's the die roll, and it is an 11. Okay, so this is this is a little bit easier. Uh, think okay. about the resources that you know, things, things that you think are really important for everybody. What's a resource out there that you think everyone who hmm. might be in our audience should know about? Anything that you would recommend? Well... You're not paying me to say this, but I've been using Audiate a lot to help me generate closed captioning. So there's that. So check out Audiate. Beyond that, I use like Inbato Elements all the time for for graphics and multimedia. So I'll say those two. Well, I, I thank you for the Audiate. So yeah. if anyone doesn't know Audiate, it's, a, it's great. And it's there's other cool things you can do with it. But the, the Inbato graphics makes me think, you know, I think going back to even what we just were talking about, a lot of people feel like I have to make everything from scratch. Yeah, right. And Nobody does anything from scratch in this industry. We we take existing graphics and we adapt it for our needs. Like I could not possibly create half of the graphics that you see uh, out there that I use, but I I go find stuff and then I co composite them into new graphics using basic shapes and stuff. Yeah, and I, I think that's the secret, right? That's how you can get from meh to to really pretty good stuff is by using appropriately the mm -hmm. the various pieces that you have and learning. I mean, this speaks to all the things that like. It's helpful to learn about a little bit about design, like visual design, about color, about alignment. There's, yep. you know, lots of different topics out there to help people. Well, Tim, this has just been, uh, I have enjoyed this conversation. I've learned uh, uh, some really helpful things. I hope we, our audience has. If people want to find you and connect with you and learn from you. Where else should they look? Yeah, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. That's the the easiest place. And then otherwise... You can find me at the eLearning Designers Academy at eLearningAcademy.io. Perfect. Well, we like to end our show with our guests the, the same way, Tim. We want to ask you, kind of wrap up and summarize what we've been talking about. So what, Tim, is your final take? 
All right. So my final take would be, you know, whatever it is that you're producing, an e-learning course, uh, a how-to video, a talking head video, whatever it is, the key to doing that successfully and at scale is to figure out whatever repeatable processes that you can create and use and repeat to help you uh, create whatever it is you're creating and then to do that over and over again, whether that's your equipment, video you have set up, the way you edit it. Uh, whatever you can use to repeat that process over and over again, that's how you can uh, do those things at scale at a sustainable pace. And I love that because sustainability, doing it at scale is is really a name of the game, right? Like, because you're not going to just make one video, you're going to make yeah. maybe not 200, but you're going to have to keep making them. There's always need for more video. Well, Tim, thank you again for joining me. It's always wonderful to catch up with you and talk with you and glad to have you here on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, everybody, go check out Tim's stuff. And we're going to be watching for his new course coming soon. Uh, when it comes out, it comes out. But go check out, follow Tim. He's got great insight about learning, design, about multimedia production for, for learning development. And it's well worth your time to, to follow him and catch him if you happen to be at a live event. And, you know, Tim gave us some great advice today, I think is, is really valuable here. It's about, you know, taking a step back and figuring things out and just sometimes doing it right like and we want you to do that whether you're making videos or using images replacing your meetings whatever it might be we want you to take a little time to level up every day and i before i close just i want to mention if you do want to subscribe to the show we'd love that we'd love to hear from you you can always email us at the visual lounge at textment.com or tag us in social media we'd love to hear what you're thinking about the show if there's a guest you want to see questions you want to ask us maybe you want a guest to come back we'd love to connect with you and continue making a, a show that works for your needs. So don't forget, connect with us and level up. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.